Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church of God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, we're smack dab in the middle of a series uh, of James, all right? So turn to chapter 4 of your of the book of James. James is found after the book of Hebrews, right before 1 Peter. It is a tiny little book, only five chapters long. And so if you're having trouble finding it, because it moves on me. I don't know about you, it moves around the Bible for me. It's supposed to be after Hebrews and 1 Peter, but sometimes I think it gets a little tricky. Uh, don't feel bad about uh, jumping onto your table of contents. And finding it there in the back of the book. If you're using uh, Uversion, which is a fantastic Bible app on your phone or electronic device, uh, down at the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little button, and it says Events on it. If you click Events, you will see Shoreward Church of God pop up. You can click on Shoreward Church of God, and guess what? All today's notes are right on there. So for your easy viewing pleasure, um, you don't even have to get a hand cramp writing notes. You can just type them in there with your phone. Um, so And they're easy shareable, like on Facebook and stuff that way as well. Whichever you want. I prefer still the paper. I tried to use my phone for my Bible. It doesn't work. I, so I, I got to go paper. But hey, as long as you're reading it, I don't care what you're reading it on. Right? Um, so we're continuing with this James series in chapter four today. Um, but James, as we kick off the series, we have to view everything through this pair of glasses that is the first verse of James, actually the first like seven words of James. If we read James and we just kind of potpourri it, we just pop around and go, oh, that's a good sentence. Oh, that's a good sentence. Oh, that's a good sentence. Um, That's all true, but you miss a huge point of what James is doing. And so we want to start out every Sunday in this series talking about that very first verse, which if you're anything like me, I skip over that. Who, who cares? He's just introducing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James wrote it. Whoa, whatever. That's how I've looked at it for years and years and years and years and years until preparing for this series where then I read it and it, I, it caught my eye. It kind of just changed my whole viewpoint of the whole book. I mean, I've taught James Bible studies probably seven times and I never understood this part before. The first sentence is James, a bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ. James, a what? Bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. Now, a bondservant, what in the world is that? It's like an indentured servant. It's, a, it's the idea, the simple idea of I, as a person, have maybe, if I'm talking in Roman times, maybe I got in trouble with the law. Maybe I got in trouble with some loan sharks. Maybe I have spent a little bit too much on the gladiatorial games and now I'm in trouble. I don't know what it is. I, I, maybe my ship, I invest, this happened a lot. I invested in a ship and it went on the Mediterranean and it sunk and now I lost everything and now I owe a bunch of people and they're going to kill me or send me to prison. And so I would go to someone who was a master, someone who had a lot of money, someone and say, will you buy my life? But what I'm asking you to do is buy my debt, my past. I want you to buy my present right now so someone doesn't kill me. And I want you to buy my future and I will work for you. Maybe you can work it out that I'm going to pay off that loan or it's a 10-year thing or now whatever. But the bond servant was someone who approached. This wasn't a guy who got caught. Um, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a, 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 a capture of war. He wasn't any of these other kinds of slavery ways that happened. It was I approached you and said I need you to purchase my past, my present, and my future. 
And so James, using the words, uh, James, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ, what has he done? He has come to God and said, God, I need you to purchase my past sin. I need you to purchase my present stuff, and I want you to purchase my future, and I will live for you. In the blood of Jesus Christ, the purpose of that is to buy with a price my past and all the junk, to buy my present and to buy my future. So in those few simple little words, James, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ, he is saying a earth-shaking thing. He's really kind of laying out what it means to this whole idea of becoming a Christian, just in those few short words. I hope you guys understand that. I know I've said that every week for 14 weeks now, but it's so important. It is, it is mind-changing for me, and I need to be reminded of that daily because you know what? When I wake up in the morning, I don't think about being a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. I have to play in my head, okay, wait, 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 wait. Your life is not your own. You are not living for yourself. You are living for God. I got to wake up and remind myself of that because if I don't remind myself of that, I get really selfish. I get really prideful. I do things the way I want to do them, and I do them the way that I, you know, in ways in which that might not be God-honoring because I'm living for myself. But when you wake up and you start understanding, you go, God, I want to be a bondservant this morning. Thank you for buying my past. Thank you for buying my present. And thank you for buying my future. I want to live for you today. You see how that starts to even change your attitude um, before you even hit the bathroom in the morning. And so that's like a best practice, right? That's an index card. That's a, that's a write on, on a dry erase uh, on your mirror or Sharpie on your mirror in your bathroom. Just so you see it, you know it, you got to change your attitude because I wake up and I, my first thoughts are my needs. My first thoughts are what I want to do. My first thoughts are, oh, I don't know. I'm laying there. I'm like, I got to do this, 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 this. And I'm already stressed out. I'm already getting anxious. And I hear Bowen doing something stupid downstairs. I'm already getting mad. Like I've been awake to the world. God gave me breath again for 30 seconds and I'm already getting selfish. I'm the only one, right? And so to remind myself, Jared, a bond servant of God and of Jesus Christ, you see how that changes even your day? All right, so we're going to step into that even more today uh, in, in chapter 4 of James. Now, what James is doing, some monk somewhere, probably around 800 A.D., put the 4 there, okay, in the 1, 2, and 3. James didn't write and go, uh, 1, a Roman numeral. You know, he did not do that, okay? It was one continuous thought, and it was an argument letter. You don't date, like, well, uh, if I wrote Eric here a letter and said, Erica, if you would refer to uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 3 of what I sent to you on uh, October 1st, that'd be great. You don't write that way. So James isn't writing that way. A monk did that way late, centuries later to try to help people uh, navigate the scriptures. What happens is it breaks up our thoughts. The unintended consequences of that is it breaks up our thoughts. What is going on in chapter 3 and chapter 4 is James is kind of chugging along. He's building his argument, right? And what we do, and what I'm forced to, because you guys don't want to listen to me preach for four hours, uh, is that you get to a chapter and you're like, and I'm done. Woo, got my Bible reading done for today, did chapter three. And so that's the equivalent of me saying, hey, I like your, and you're going, he likes me. What does he like? I don't know. We've got to wait until next week. It's a cliffhanger, right? We do that to ourselves. It's like, well, I like your hair. Oh, hair. Oh, I don't like my hair. Why did he say? You know, then you got a whole other thing you got to talk about. That's what happens today. We got built up to this big thing about this idea of selfishness juxtaposed, word of the day, against, <laughs> sorry, uh, selfishness juxtaposed against wisdom. Uh, I usually think about foolishness against wisdom, 
right? But James flips that a little bit, flips the script a little bit, and says selfishness is the opposite of wisdom. I love that. I love that. And so he's going to continue to go on that. He says the guys who seek out wisdom in their life are the peacemakers. They're the ones that get peace. And so the next sentence is where we're going to pick up today. James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels? If wisdom brings peace, let's talk about the opposite of peace, fights and quarrels among you. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. If you want to underline that one, that's all right. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet and you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. We're going to talk about that next week. When you ask God, ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? They make an enemy of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world makes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he is jealous and longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. First point today for you is this. The source of conflict is selfishness. The source of conflict is selfishness. Think about any fights, any conflict that you had, anybody that you had road rage against this week. I don't know why I always bring that one up. Uh, Nothing personal going on to me, right? Uh, The road rage issue that you had. It's either that you wanted to cut somebody off and they're getting impeding in your way, that's your selfishness getting in the way, or someone else was being a yutz and cut you off and almost caused you to wreck because of their selfishness, right? That selfishness knife cuts both ways, okay? If you think of any conflict that you have, almost every conflict you have in your life, it's because at someone else or yourself is having selfishness. The more honest with yourself that you are, you realize your selfishness has more of a role to play than you previously thought. It's real easy. But well, yeah, it's Jimmy's fault because he's being selfish. He's the selfish one. It's not, it couldn't be me. I love the friends. Actually, I, I kind of get frustrated with them, but I really appreciate, I appreciate, appreciates the right word. I appreciate the friends that can hold that mirror and say, hey, uh, what about you in that situation? <laughs> no, it's their fault. Yeah, but you know, you're the one that did that. Shh. The source of conflict is selfishness, all right? Now, I'm not asking you to be a doormat. I'm not saying, oh, just let everybody roll over you because you're being selfish if you want your own way. Now, there, there, there is, there's boundaries in this, of course, but the source of conflict is, is your selfishness or somebody else's selfishness kind of saying, or when two people are trying to be selfish, right? And this is the beauty of marriage, right? <laughs> like you're trying to get what you need and, and want, and then you got to figure this out. And so if you're, you're in a, this is why in premarital counseling, I always talk about team, whoever, whatever your new last name is going to be. You're going to be a team because when you're a team, you, there's no room for selfishness. You got to be a team together, right? And, and I understand sometimes there's, there's, there's issues like, Jared, I'm doing everything I can. Their problem. Yeah. Well, you can only control what you can control. And that's, that's your actions and your attitudes and how you're doing you. The source of conflict is selfishness. And so if we are being uh, unselfish, we're inviting the wisdom to come into our life. We're inviting peace to come into our life. Because if I can look at a situation and go, you know what, I've done everything I possibly can do. 
And this is what God, who is supposed to be our master, has asked us to do. Because if he's our master, we don't have really have room for selfishness because we've given our lives to him. He's bought us. We are no longer our own. Does this make sense? Because selfishness comes out of a place of, I get to pick what I want to do. I get to choose who I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, where I'm going to wear, where I'm going to go, how my career is going to look, what my marriage is going to look like. I get to choose all those things. If you call yourself a Christian, you have sold yourself as a bondservant to God and of Jesus Christ, and you are no longer your own. You may go, oh, I don't know about that. The benefits of that far outweigh what you paid for it. The source of conflict is selfishness. I want you to think um, just for a moment of the most selfless person that you can think of. Who in your life has been the most selfless? They have given of themselves, given of themselves, given of themselves, given of themselves. That shouldn't be very, I hope it's not hard for you to think of. Some of you are going, I only know selfish people, Jared. <laughs> Have you met my family? Uh, so, but, but hopefully there's somebody, a grandma, a grandpa, a dad, a cousin, somebody, a teacher. I don't know who it would be. Somebody that just pops in your head. That is the most selfless person that I know. If they're still living today, I want you to send them a note. I want you to call them. I want you to send them an email, uh, Facebook message them, whatever. Just tell them, hey, I appreciate the, you. I appreciate what you've done for my life. They will never expect it. They will never think, because they're so selfless, they'll never think that you're thinking of them, but it'll mean the world to them. You should honor that, because those people are so rare and beautiful and wonderful to be around. If they're not with us, if you, if you remember someone who, who did that, I want you just to, sometime today, maybe it's during the message, you can tune out on me to do this. I'm telling you, you can tune out on me. I want you just to pray and thank God for that person in your life. Just thank God for the example that they, that they give you. They gave you. Because if the source of conflict is selfishness, we need to honor selflessness. And it's, we don't, right? Our whole culture is built on what I can get, what I can hustle, what I can, how, I, how am I going to make myself look the best? But selflessness brings peace and wisdom. I think we can all agree our world, our lives, our community could use a little bit more peace a little bit more wisdom. Second point, the source of anger is control. The source of anger is control. And this is rooted out of selfishness, right? Because if I can't control something, because I can't control it, you're not doing what I want you to do, or this thing isn't doing what I want it to do, and now I get angry about it. I'm through the scripture to go along with this. You desire, but you do not have so you kill. Woo. Maybe you just need to like just sit on that sentence. And if it's not hitting you, you're like, I don't know what the big deal is, Jared. You need to read it again and then again and again. You desire. So whatever your heart is saying, I want, this is what I, I want, but I can't have it. And then there's something inside you that starts to well up because I can't have this. I can't control it. I can't, I can't consume it. I, I don't have it. You kill. You lash out. You break. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Next sentence is because you have the wrong motives because it's all selfish motives and not what God wanted you to do in the first place. Because guess what? What you want is secondary to what the master who paid the blood price for your past and your present and your future. That's what he wants is what's best for you, not what you want. 
You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Which is silly, because that means you take more away from you. Right? If you kill it, you can't have it. If you break it, you can't have it. At other times in my life, I've had a massive temper problem. Been working on that since I was about 11 years old. Um, and when something disappointed me and I could not control it, I couldn't get to what do, you would break that said thing. Throw it on the ground, you know, punch a wall, do whatever you need to do. Well, now you've got another problem. The toy you're just playing with is broken, so you don't have that anymore. Right? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You kill hopes, you kill dreams, you break things. Source of anger is control. But the source of peace is humility. The source of peace is humility. See, far when if you think about when somebody has wronged you or hurts you, you go kind of how can I get back at them? I'll show them. I'll burn their house down, whether that's their literal house or, you know, you will cause as much emotional pain as you can, or I'll out them as this fraud, or I'll do this, boom, 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 and I'll play politics, and I'll backstab them, and I'll get, I'll show them, I'll show the world who they really are. Do you know who that really makes look like a fool? Yourself. You start looking petty. You may feel good for a second, and then you go... Man, did I come off looking terrible there. That's not who I am. You need to take a breath for a moment and step into a little humility. The source of peace is humility. God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud. I don't want to be anywhere where God's opposing. So we just sing about his power. So will I, the hundred billion star systems with a breath and a thought. And the source of peace is humility. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I want to be, I want to be in the place that God shows me favor. Stepping into humility. What does humility do for us? Humility keeps our priorities right. Humility keeps our priorities right. If we are bondservants of, of God and of Jesus Christ. We have to say, you know what? His priorities are now my priorities. His priorities are my priorities. And the ultimate humility is to say someone else has control of my life. Humility places us in the position that God has for us. If we are the bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ, and we say his priorities, his place, his call in my life is his call, not my call, we put ourselves in the position that God has for us, whether that's in the neighborhood, in the job, in the wherever we're at in life, God will have us in that position. Humility is the attitude of a servant. You can't be very proud and be a servant, right? I do a lot of study and, and, uh, and just reading historical fiction of, of people in the Middle Ages and whatever, and all these servants are always cleaning out chamber pots. If you're a chamber pot cleaner outer, you can't be very proud of, you know? You're like, oh, well, I, I am the best chamber pot cleaner outer that there is. Okay. <laughs> Gold star for you. Uh, humility is the attitude of a servant. 
How does practically, what does that look like for us? A humble person can learn. A humble person can learn. A proud person thinks they know everything. Have you met a 14-year-old person? Right? Uh, A humble person can learn. A proud person can't. They're incapable of it because they think they already know stuff. I hate learning this lesson. I've learned it several times in my life. You remember the times when you were like, oh, I did need to learn something. That didn't feel good. God uses a two-by-four to the back of my, my head to make me learn some of these things, and then I'm humble for a while, and then I get too big for my britches, and something has to happen. Okay, we're good to go. I'm the only one, right? Uh, a humble person can change. A proud person doesn't change their ways. A proud person does A humble person can change. A, a humble person can say, you know what? I'm wrong. And I can change that. I can learn from that. I can fix that. Being a baseball coach of eight-year-olds, I got a couple kids who think they are like God's gift to baseball. Dude, you're eight. You've watched one baseball game your whole life. You don't know what you're doing. And, man, they will not. I'm like, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it. Could you do this instead? Nope, 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 nope. Okay, well, now that you struck out four times in a row, would you like to listen? Nope, okay. Well, wait until eight. Okay, now, do that. No. <laughs> so there's that control thing again. Um. A humble person can change. A humble person can comfort. A humble person can comfort. Because a proud person manipulates. A humble spirit can bring comfort. They identify. They say, hey, I, I know what you're going through. A proud person will see the opportunity and start to manipulate. I don't. Give this message for you to go, well, that person's so full of themselves, and that person this, and that person that. No, 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 no. Do not do that. Just look at yourself and go, okay, am I manipulating the situation? Am I learning anything from the situation? Can I change the situation? That's where you need to stay. Don't start pointing fingers at other people, at spouses or at relatives or coworkers or anything like that, because that's only going to get you in a proud spot that's going to, and God opposes the proud. You see where that chain goes? Because that, that fight inside you is already happening. Yep. Betty Sue is, mm, she fits all these. I wish she was here today because she needed to hear this message. But no, she won't listen to anything, won't come to church, but she needs it really bad. Like some of you are thinking that right now. Stop it. All right? Think about you. How can you learn? How can you change? How can you comfort? When I think about our lives and I think about how we live and I think about how we're doing, are we a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ? I got a couple uh questions for you this morning. Are you who you want to be? Are you who you want to be? Is the you you think about the the you that God wants from you or what someone else has for you? Are you who you want to be? Second, are there places of conflict that could be eased by showing humility? Are there places of conflict that could be eased by showing humility? The answer to that is yes. Identify them, write them down, figure it out. Third, how would humility in your neighborhood change the way you interact with your neighbors? How would humility in your neighborhood change the way you interact with your neighbors? These, this idea can change who you are fundamentally, and it all comes from an attitude shift as Jared, as Jimmy, as Eric, as Ashley, a bondservant of God and of Jesus Christ. Am I going to live that out today? Am I making that choice today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for who you are and what you're up to. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we ask you to move and ask you to shape us. 
We ask you to make us our, uh, new creations in you, that we would fully become your bondservants this morning. In Jesus Christ, I, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.